Good morning, Collinsville First. Welcome. We're so glad to see you all here. We got room for some more, so if you're watching online, come on down. We got we got a few more parking spots, so it's great. Great day to be God's with God's family. Even if we're not like we usually are, we're still here together. Great, great day. Today we came to honor our mothers and to worship God. And so I'll, I'll just say this. Others, where you can see her today, go say hi to her, call her, do whatever you can. She's not around, we understand. My mother's still here, but I can't go see her. But hey, we know God's got them in their hands. So, amen. So let's worship God this morning. Let's let folks know we're here by blowing our horns. Amen.
Yeah, she says, I don't know. Well, you know what? Moms and ladies in our life take a lot of time helping us look presentable and keeping us clean, right? Do I help keep you clean and keep you looking all beautiful? Yes. All right, so that's why I got a comb in there. Okay, what else? What else do you see in there? Pull it out quickly. What do you got in there? A fork. <laughs> I mean, why would I have a fork in my purse? Just show you no way. <laughs> Silly girl. Why have a fork in there? You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me, it's my job to make sure I take care of you, right? I got to give you food, fix you food for you and daddy. Moms have to fix food, don't they? The ladies in our life take food to keep us healthy and strong. All right, what else do I got in there? Come on, let's find something. Ooh, what is it? Oh, what is it? A Bible. A Bible, that's right. Why would I have a Bible in my purse for Mother's Day? No, no. <laughs> of course. She doesn't know a Bible. But you know what? Moms are really good about sharing with us the love of Jesus. Sharing with us the love of Jesus. And do you know, in the Bible, there's a guy named Timothy. And Timothy has a mom and a grandma. And the Bible says that Timothy's mom and grandma taught him about Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Timothy's mom and grandma shared with him all the things that, they needed to know, that he needed to know about God. That's pretty awesome, isn't that? Yes. So moms teach us about Jesus. They share the Bible with us. All right, okay, let's see what else you can find in there. A Kleenex, look, there's a whole box of Kleenexes. Oh my goodness. Why would moms have, why would I have to Well, yeah, I mean, I might need to blow my nose, but you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me that sometimes moms have to dry tears. Do you ever cry? Yeah, wow, wow, sometimes she cries. And moms have to dry our tears. And so this box of Kleenexes reminds me that moms really want to help us. When we're sad, they encourage us. Sometimes they have to fix all of our boo-boos and those things that happen to us. But moms take care of us. They don't just take care of how we look and make sure we're healthy. They help us with our emotions, too. They make sure that we are feeling okay. What else do I got there? One more thing. What is that? A mirror. A mirror. Why would I have a mirror in my purse? How do you think this helps? Moms and God. Yeah, mirrors to your reflection. Let's take a reflection look. Woo! Looking good this morning, girl. That's right. All right, that's all the things in my purse. Give Lily a hand. Thank you, Lily, for helping take care of my purse. She's, she's good at taking care of my purse. with the sun is a mirror and like Lily said we use a mirror to see our reflection and do you know what I am so thankful for all of the ladies in my life who love Jesus who teach me things about Jesus because do you know what they do they reflect Jesus to me when I see those ladies who love Jesus it's like I, Jesus is reflecting in them and that's what I want us to remember, is that today on Mother's Day, is that there are ladies in our lives 
that reflect Jesus. When we look at them, it's like we can see the love of Jesus. We can see all the wonderful things that Jesus has for us when we look at those ladies in our lives. Now, I know sometimes moms look different. Sometimes we have moms that maybe are our aunts or maybe are our grandma. Sometimes we have moms that maybe aren't our tummy moms. Maybe they're moms that just love us because we needed another mom to love us. Moms can look all kinds of different ways. But all of these things that I showed you, they take care of our emotions, they take care of the way we look, they take care of our bodies and feed us healthy things, and most importantly, they teach us the word of God and reflect the love of God for us. Those are the things that are most important in a mom. Now, sometimes I know, even me as a mom, I don't feel perfect. Sometimes I feel like, oh my goodness, I've messed up. Sometimes our moms or the ladies in our lives mess up. But you know what? It's okay. None of us are perfect. And so we can pray for them. We can love them anyway. So that's what I want you to challenge you with this morning, is to find a lady in your life that reflects the love of God to you and thank them for loving you. Thank them for sharing the love of Jesus with you. So, for the kids, we have something fun that you can make for your moms in your cars this morning. We have a little snack for you. And then moms and ladies in our lives, we have something special for you this morning. So as you pull out of the parking lot this morning, we will have a gift for you that we will give you from our car this morning. So we love you. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for being a part of our lives. Good morning, we have another beautiful day. I'm just excited that we're able to uh, gather together this morning and, and be able to uh, worship the Lord. I know it's uh, obviously still different, but we're glad. You know, I was here thinking about this morning. There's only been a couple Sundays where we haven't been able to meet like this. And uh, which I'm, I'm thankful for whatever weather we have. You know, the Lord has blessed us. It's, uh, the Bible says that, uh, that uh, today is, the, you know, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I am rejoicing because it's beautiful. Last week was a little warm. This week seems about to be about the perfect temperature and, and that as well, but I'm excited that we're able to, uh, to uh, you know, come out here and worship, bless the Lord, not only you know in worship and in song, but also be able to uh, bless the Lord through our, through our giving. And so, how many of you know that it is worship, it is worship unto the Lord to give? give financially, to give over time, to, to, to give, no matter what we do, we always give back unto the Lord. We don't work um, as, you know, as for man, but we work uh, unto the Lord. Amen? And so uh, let's pray over uh, the offering this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. 
we thank you uh, for this beautiful day that you've given to us. God, that we be uh, that we're able to gather out here, and that the not only the, the hearers in the cars would be able to hear us, but those online and those in the houses that uh, surround us. And so, Lord, I pray that as we uh, as we give back unto you, Lord, we, uh, we pray that you would bless both the gift and the giver, that it would it would go to reach people for the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Also, uh, for those that are online that are not able to gather with us this morning uh, to give, or uh, there is a link in the description of this video that uh, so you'll be able to give. It is brothersvillefirst.com uh, slash give, and you'll be able to uh, uh, give uh, there as well. Um, if you're not real, to be here with us this morning. This morning we're, uh, we're continuing our series in, in uh, the Gospel of John. We're in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, uh, verses 41 through 59. Give me a picture that one. And then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he said, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. 
Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you would bless your word uh, to our ears. Lord, that the seed of your word would find good soil in our hearts, Lord. That we would apply this, that we live this, that we uh, see what your word says, and that we live it out, Lord, and we be obedient to what you would have for us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before I go any further, I just want to uh, wish a happy Mother's Day to all the ladies out here. Uh, like my wife said, uh, you don't necessarily have to uh, give birth to, uh, uh, you know, to a child in order to be a mom. There are a lot of ladies here that I consider, you know, to be uh, moms to my daughter, and uh, and so we're we're thankful and blessed, you know, for those ladies here. But uh, I just want to wish you a happy Mother's Day, and and uh, on this beautiful day, I hope that you're able to go out and, and be celebrated as you as you are, especially for those that. Um, went from uh, you know having their, having kids in school to now having them homeschooled. Um, it is a, a little bit of a transition. I'm thankful for my wife who has uh, been teaching our our daughter as well. Happy Mother's Day to you, and I want to wish Happy Mother's Day to my mom and to my mother-in-law. Uh, happy Mother's Day to you uh, this morning. As I said uh, earlier, John chapter six. We talked about this over and over again that in John chapter 6, that all these different accounts that we've been talking about, from the feeding of the 5,000 to the crossing of uh, the Sea of Galilee to, to last week, you know, this conversation that Jesus has having with, with the Jews there and the, the continued conversation that we are going to be looking at today, that we will study today. Um, today we are going to continue that conversation and see how the Jewish people and, the, and uh, uh, respond to Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. And it says that they murmured, murmured against Jesus and what truth he spoke to them because it was different than what they currently thought. It was different and, and contrary to what they thought because of the fact that they, uh, Jesus said that he is the bread of life. He is basically, he is proclaiming that he is God to the Jewish people. That he is God to everyone. That he is God. And they're going, wait, wait, do we not know you? Don't we know your mom and your dad? Don't we know these things? Don't we, don't we already see these things? And, and yet you're proclaiming that you're this person? Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the things predicted in the Old Testament. And our union or our unity with him is the hope of our life. Our, our, our hope. It, is, it was prophesied in the Old Testament that he would come. And he is our union, he is our unity. The only way we are in that relationship, that is our hope of our life. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Paul tells Timothy to preach the word. Acts 17, verse 11 says, tell, uh, tells us that the Bereans receive the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily, whether these things were so. In, uh, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul asks, for prayer that God would open unto uh, unto us 
the, a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. When we put these things together, we find that in the Old Testament is a book about Christ. The Old Testament is, is chock full of everything about Jesus Christ's coming. It is the precursor to his coming, his first coming. John's gospel was written with this intent. His intent is that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one. He is the one who was promised. Therefore, he tells us about the time that, that Jesus gave the people plenty to eat at the feeding of the 5,000. But they wanted more, and they wanted to make him king. But Jesus refused both. He didn't come to satisfy earthly needs or to take over an earthly kingdom. He came to do the will of the Father. And that meant finding the lost sheep of Israel, finding the lost, lost people. It meant opening the eyes and the ears of, the, of his disciples as well so that they could see the scriptures and hear the word and put it all together. It was not only just reading the word, but it was also seeing the different things going on through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the Passover Lamb. He is the only way to God and the fulfillment of all the ceremonies and all the symbols that have been given before in the Old Testament. Anyone who belongs to, to God, the, the true elect, will see this and believe because we are taught by God. In John chapter 6, verses 46 to 47, it says, Not that any man hath seen the Father, save, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. Very rarely I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. What does he say there? It says, it says, not, it says not that any man has seen the Father, save he that which is of God. Jesus Christ is of God. He is deity. He is God. He is saying there that no man except for him. Because he is 100% God and 100% man at this time. There's no dividing. There's no 50-50. He's 100% God, 100% man. You say, well, how can that be? I don't know when we get to heaven. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can ask him. But he is God incarnate. How many of you love the breeze this morning? The emphasis here is on he that believes on me. And it answers how men are taught by God. No man has seen the Father, so how can he be their teacher? Let's go back. A couple of verses in verse 44 and 45. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And I will raise him up in the last day. Hallelujah. That he's going to raise us up in the last day. It is written in the prophets that they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and have learned of the Father come unto me. What's this drawing that he's talking to? I've heard many people, I've heard people preach this and it's wrong. I've heard people preach this and say, well, it, you, there's no, God does the drawing and man does nothing else. That, that unless God draws, nothing's going to happen. All right? Which is true partially, but not completely true. All right? Let me explain this. Draw in this context has a meaning to come by the influence of the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus Christ. 
as seen in verse 45, as I just read, the teaching of God influences men to come to the Father through Jesus Christ. The Father draws men to himself by the means of his Son, as is later stated in John chapter 12, verse 32, which says, And I, if I be lifted up from earth, will draw all men unto me. The only way that this happens, yes, God has to draw us. God is constantly drawing us. But the thing is, is that there has to be a response as well. It's not the fact that, that God will just draw us and maybe just go, oh, okay, I'm saved now. But the fact is, is that God draws us each and every day. He keeps on wooing us over and over and over and over again. Hoping. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We have to do something on our part. We have to accept the bread of life. We have to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go back to verses 46 and 47. It says, No man said, Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of God. He has seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath an everlasting life. Some people saw Christ, but very few in history. Only a very few in history. What about you and me? How are, how are we to be taught by God? Does this mean that we have visions and special revelation? Does this mean that we sit quietly and wait for a still small voice? I do believe that we do receive a revelation and we do re receive vision. But remember, as I talked about last week, if it does not line up with God's word, do not believe it. Because the, uh, the enemy will come as an angel of light, come in special revelation. If it does not line up with God's word, it is a false vision, a false revelation. There are many preachers out there nowadays preaching that you have to have a special revelation to understand God's word. No, the only thing that you need is the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, you say, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to me. What does this scripture mean? Pray and seek God. Make sure it lines up with his word. Think about what Paul told Timothy, as I said at the beginning of the sermon. Preach the word. What word was he, pre uh, was he preaching? What word was Paul preaching? It must have been, have been the, the good news and good glad tidings of the coming Messiah. It had to be something that the Gentiles could understand. But then we look at the fact that the Bereans studied and searched the Jewish scriptures to see if what was being taught was actually true. And we must also think, with, uh, we, and we must also with this way think, the Old Testament is not just the old way of doing things. We oftentimes will throw out things and say, I don't have to read the Old Testament that's done away with, I don't have to worry about that. But remember, God's word says that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. That means that the Old Testament is just as uh, applicable as it is into the New Testament. We don't have to do the ceremonial laws, we don't have to go out there and kill lambs and they have long sideburns and all sorts of stuff. But the thing is, is that it is not just the old way of doing things. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It wasn't always, uh, it wasn't made less applicable because the curtain was thrown back and Jesus was identified. It still serves the same purpose, showing how salvation works and why God keeps his word. It points us to Christ. It's and this is why he says, he that believeth on me. He that believeth on me. If you, if you read the Old Testament, the Old Testament reveals Jesus Christ coming. This is the thing. The Jewish people at this time and even today and us today, by reading the Old Testament, 
When we go into the New Testament, we just say, you know what? Jesus said, I just read about him in the Old Testament. That this, everything in the Old Testament is talking about Jesus in the New Testament. The Jews thought that the ceremonial, uh, the ceremonies and all the articles of Moses were a means to salvation. They thought that by doing whatever Moses had said, they had a high, if this is possible, they had a higher regard, a higher viewpoint of, uh, of Moses than Jesus, than God. They thought, they almost put Moses on the same, it, higher than God. They're like, whatever Moses says, not whatever the Bible says, it was whatever Moses says, that's what we're going to do. You'll see this throughout the Gospel of John and also in the other Gospel where they say, well, uh, you know, Moses said it's okay to do this, so Moses said, Moses said, not God's Word says, not the Bible says, not the Torah says, but Moses says. They failed to see that, that Jesus preached, or sorry, that the scriptures preached Christ, they preached Jesus, and when he came, when Jesus came the first time, and even when he comes into our lives, we see people reject him. They rejected Jesus. They should have seen Jesus and said, Hallelujah, the Messiah is here. The one that we've been waiting for so long to deliver us is here. But because he came in a different way, because he came in the way that they did not think, they rejected him. I don't know about you, but Jesus didn't come to me the way that I thought that if there was a God, that he would come to me. But however, you're thankful that he came and he said, you know what, I'm going to blow up your preconceived thoughts and notions. I'm going to come, I'm going to do away with what, how you think that I'm going to come, and I'm going to do how I'm going to come. And this is the thing. There's a, there's a small, uh, there's a group of believers out there that believe that the Jewish people don't have to do anything to be saved nowadays. Because they believe that God, that they are God's chosen people. They say, I don't have to evangelize them. I don't have to tell them about Jesus. I don't have to do anything. Because they're God's chosen people. God promised that he's going to save them, so they're good. I don't have to talk to them about it. How many, how many know that's the biggest bunch of malarkey that, you know, that there is? You say, well, maybe you say, Pastor John, prove it. All right, I will. 1 John chapter 2, verse 23 says this. Whosoever denieth the Son. Who is the Son? Jesus is the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son... The same hath not the Father. What part does that say? If you reject the Son, you don't have the Father. Some people say, well, they just have they just have God the Father. They don't have the Son, but it's okay they have God the Father. No. This verse says that if they deny the Son of God, that they deny the Son, they don't even have the Father. But he that acknowledges or acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. You can't have one without the other. The, the, the Trinity, you can't have them. You can't have one without the other. See, I, I like him, but I don't like him. They're the same person. You can't separate them. And this is what it's talking about. When he keeps on coming in there, he's going to show us that there's a unity in him and the Father, that the Trinity is true. For those that try and separate the, you know, all three of them and say, no, that's not right. Or there's a different mode, or there's this, 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 or this. It's, it's silliness, because... And blasphemous because you cannot separate them. It's like me trying to separate myself as a father and a, as a son and as a husband. I can't do it. What are you going to do? Cut me up into three pieces and say, well, that's the father part, and that's the son part, and that's the husband part. 
Doesn't make sense. You can't do it. John chapter 6, verse, uh, verses 48 through 51 says, I am that bread. At this point, I would have figured that they would have tried to kill him. Because what is he trying to say? He's trying to say that he's the bread of life, that he's God. That he's the only provider, that he is our sustenance. But they don't. They let him keep on speaking. Since your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which come, uh, cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which come down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. So he goes on from one point of saying that he is that bread of life. And said that... He's different than the man that they had in the wilderness because they died afterward. And then he goes on, I am the living bread, and whoever eats of me shall never die. He's contrasting as we go through this. He says, notice how he changes from bread of life to living bread. He is not just bread that gives life. He is bread that is living. This is an, an important point because he's about to start talking about union or unity. In the Godhead. The latter part of verse 51 says, And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Just so you know, as we go on in this later portion of it, he's not talking about cannibalism or being a vampire or anything else because he's talking about eating a flesh or drinking a blood. What he's talking about is that if you believe upon him, he's risk your life. You believe that he is your provider, your source. That is what he is he is referring to, he's making an allegory saying, this is what it is, that I am everything to you. I am your source, I am everything. I will provide for you. That part where he says, this is in the bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Of course, this to me, and probably to you, brings back to mind the cross. His death fulfilled the sacrifice of the sacrificial lamb or the Passover lamb. His death fulfilled that sacrifice of being a Passover lamb. He is the lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. But the Jews did not understand it. They still did not understand it. It's been preached to them since he came on the scene. Ever since he, ever since he was baptized by John the Baptist, they saw who he was. John proclaimed who he was. John the Baptist proclaimed and said that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And yet they didn't believe it. Verses 52 through 56 say this. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They didn't understand the picture that he's making. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood. You have no life in you. Whosoever eat of my flesh and drink my blood hath eternal life. I will raise him up at the last day. For my, uh, my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drink my blood dwells in me and I in him. The main idea, uh, the main idea here is our union with Christ. Think of John 17, uh, 23 and Colossians 3, 4. John 17, 23 says this, I in them and you in me, 
that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me. This is uh, the, high priest, uh, the high priestly prayer that Jesus is praying and saying, Father, you and I are one. That it has loved them, and you have loved me. Colossians 3, 4 says, when Christ, who is our life, this is the point he's trying to make, who is our life, shall appear, then, then you shall also appear with him in glory. Jesus Christ is telling us that, Sorry, Paul is, one, is saying that Jesus is our life, and because if, he, if we make him our life, if we believe on him, if we partake in him, if we believe everything about us, it says what? It says that you may also appear with him in glory. Where is glory? That's in heaven with him. The whole link, there's a link between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus is that link. But in, John, oh, sorry, in Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, I'm not going to read all of it, but I encourage you to read it as well. It talks about the Passover, the original Passover, where the Jewish people had to go and kill a perfect, spotless lamb, take that blood that they used, uh, that came out of that lamb, and wipe it on the doorposts of their household so the death angel would pass over it. As long as they remained in the house, as long as they abided in the house, as long as they stayed under the covering of the blood, they were safe. If they were to come out uh, from underneath that, uh, out of uh, underneath his protection, they would die. The death angel would come and visit them. But he said, "No, if you take that perfect, spotless lamb, put it over your doorpost." And the death angel shall pass over. The Lord is our Passover lamb. And we see this happen. In Luke chapter 22, verses 19 to 20, this is the New Testament reference. He says, and he broke the bread. This is them having uh, uh, the last supper or a, the Passover meal. This is literally the last Passover meal that needed to take place. He took bread and gave thanks and broke it. And gave, unto, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also, the cup, of, uh, after, uh, the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. He's speaking of his death upon the cross. Like I said, when we apply that blood over our life, when we stay underneath the blood, when we abide in Christ, we don't move outside of the house because Jesus says that he will come into us as a house. And if we stay in, abiding in Christ, under the blood, we have nothing to worry about. No weapon formed against, uh, no weapon formed against the shall prosper, as the word of God says. That when we live for Christ, this is what he is speaking of. That if we still we still take communion, and when we take communion, that is what we are doing. We are remembering his death upon the cross for our sins. And what he did. Not only that, but that three days later he raises from the, uh, the grave, showing and giving us new life. That just because of what we did, before it doesn't have to define us. I'll just tell you this when I came to Christ, 
My old life died. I, I'm not that same person that I once was. You'll have people come up to you and try to get you to remember your past. And they will use, uh, Satan will use those people and say, hey, remember when you did this? Remember when you did this? And I'll say he'll use people. Not saying that they're possessed. But they'll he'll use people. Why? To try to get you to remember to think and say, you know what? I don't think Jesus really, I don't think Jesus really saved me. I don't think Jesus really died for me. But what you need to remember is that the old one, the old person, your old life is no longer there anymore. That person is dead and buried. That's what baptism also represents. That you die to your old self and you come up in newness of life. That when, when you do that, when you make that public proclamation, you're saying, I'm not going to go back to my old way of life. Christ has saved me and he gave me a new life. And you know what? I belong to him. He is mine and I am his. That there's a union, that there's no breaking of it. There should never be, hey, here's Pastor Sean and here's Jesus. It should be, hey, there they are. That they are together. That no matter what happens, that you are together in Christ. Why? Because that's what he said he would do. He said, I am you and you and me. He said, he's going to come in with you. Verse 27 says, as the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that is me, even he shall live by me. Here again, we see that union, that unity of the Father and the Son. If the Father lives, then so does the Son. If they live, then so do we. If they live, if Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, then you live as well if you are a believer in Christ. As surely as he lives, so do we. Verses 58 and 59. So this, sorry, this is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. In chapter 6, we've seen that so far that Jesus describes himself as the bread. The bread of God is he. The, the bread of life, the bread which came down, the living bread, this is real bread, this is living bread. He is the living bread. He is not dead, he is alive, he rose. We just celebrated it a few weeks ago. He arose from the grave. He is no longer in that tomb like Buddha and Muhammad and Allah and all the other false gods. He is alive, amen? He is the living bread. The summary of this whole entire thing is this. The true living bread of life is Jesus, which came down from heaven. If any eat, meaning, if any believe of this bread, he shall live forever and have everlasting life. I got that quote from my brother. I thought it was an amazing thing. I was sitting there trying to figure out how to summarize the whole entire thing, and my brother had said that to me. I'm so thankful for a godly brother. Not only physically, but spiritually. The true living bread of life is Jesus, which came down from heaven. And if any believe of this bread, or eat of this bread, he shall live forever. He shall have everlasting life. I'm here to tell you this morning that belief 
changes you. That if you believe, if you truly believe something, it's going to change you. If you believe that you can get healthy, it's going to change you. How's it going to change you? You're going to start getting up earlier so you can go you know, work out and run and eat better and all those things. If you believe that you can get better, that's what you're going to do. If you want to be the best at your job, what are you going to do? You're going to believe that you can do it and you're going to try your best to do it. You're going to follow it. This morning, I have this question. Will you receive that gift of salvation of eternal life? Will you receive the bread of life, Jesus Christ, so you may never hunger again? How will you respond to his offer today? Sure, this last week, and I'm gonna, uh, this is what God's word says. says Roman, in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I want you to also point out in there, it says, for all have sinned. When you come to Christ, you don't try and do that anymore. You don't do that anymore, right? When I, when my wife and I started dating and, I, and, and we knew that we were getting married, I tried not to irritate her. I still do, but I tried not to do it. I just do it unknowingly. It's for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all know that we have sinned. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. There's a payment to be paid for what we do. It said, if we get paid a wage, we get paid, right? There's payment for it. But it says, for the wages of sin. So if all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, what's our payment for, for that sin that we've done so well? Death. Here's the thing, Jesus Christ is still offering us the free gift of salvation. He's still offering himself as the bread of life that we may live and have eternal life. So what do we need to do, what do we need to, in order to, to do in, in order to be saved or receive the salvation? Remember, we can't earn it. The answer is that we just need to believe on him. Mark uh, 1.15 says, repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent as a change of mind, as a change of, of how we do things and how we believe. And believe the gospel. Who is the gospel? Jesus Christ. Believe his word. Whatever his word says, we do. But it's also more than a physical death because I said, for the wages of sin is death. It's more than a physical death. It's also a spiritual death. How do I know this? In Revelation chapter 20, verses 14 and 15, it says this, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You have physical death and you have a spiritual death. And it says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It's a very sobering verse right there. It says, Whosoever's name is not written. You cannot be a good, just a good person. That people say, Well, I've done a lot of good. I do this and this. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't done this or that. Or I'm just, I, I, I try and watch my language. I try and do this and try and do that. But here's the thing. That... Says whosoever was not found in the, you're still going to be cast into the lake of fire if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ. If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, your name is not written in the book of life. How do I know this? Revelation 21 8 says, But the fearful, unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, you go, Great, I'm not even on that list. I don't do any of those things. Hold on a second. And all liars. 
That doesn't say, oh, it was just a little white lie, it's okay. It's only a little fib. We try and change things to make ourselves feel better. It's not just a fib or anything else, this is all liars. No matter how big of a lie it is or how small of a lie, it's all liars. Shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. What lake was that? That was the lake of fire that it says that you're not going to be found in, if your name is not written in the book of life. It says, which is what? The second death. But like I said, we can partake of the bread of life. We can partake of Jesus Christ. We can live for him because God does not want us to go to hell. Like I said earlier, God is not willing that any should perish or that any should go to hell, but that all should come to repentance. God makes us this offer of salvation that we must receive. Let me read the second half of Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I wasn't done with those pages yet. But the gift of God, uh, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But can we earn it? No, we can't. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We can't sit there and say, Hey, I gave $20, so now I have salvation. Or I did this or this or this or this. Now I have salvation. It's a free gift through faith. We are saved through faith by grace. It is a gift you cannot earn. It. If I come up to you and I give you my Bible and I say, here's a Bible, but I want $20 for shipping and handling, is that, is that free? No. If I come up to you and say, hey, here's this bottle of water, I'll give it to you for $5. Is that still free? No. This is free, a free gift. You cannot earn it. Somebody had to pay our ransom, and we know that Jesus Christ did. He is the only one that can pay us. Or sorry, he's the only one that could fulfill and become that Passover lamb. He pardoned our sin. He paid our, he paid our ransom. Romans 5, he says, But God commanded his love towards us, in that while we're yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. That no matter what we've done, the thing is, this is the great verse, it says, while we're yet sinning, while we're still doing all this stuff, while we're doing all these things, he still died for us. He lived a sinless life, died upon the cross, and was buried and rose again on the third day, paying our ransom. And yet it says, he did all this even while we're still sinning, while we're still doing those things. If you're a believer in Christ and you're saying, I'm sinning every single day, there's a problem there. You say, I can't go a second without sinning. There's a problem there. If you cannot go a second without sinning, there's a problem. You know why? How much more worse are you than the devil? Because the Bible says that Satan and his demons believe in Jesus. They know who he is. How many times you know, do we read in the gospel where the demons would speak up and say, I know who you are, Jesus. They knew who he was. It has to be something more. We need to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. A few things that we must believe on Jesus for, believe what the Bible says about him. We, have, we need to believe that he is God in the flesh. John 1, 1 in verse 14 says, In the beginning was the word, that's Jesus, and the word was with God. And the word was God, Jesus is God. That's what it's saying. And the Bible, was, it says, and the word was made flesh, that's Jesus, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. 
as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. One of the most one of the most quoted verses that people want to believe and say, well, you know, he loves me, so he's not going to send me to hell. But they don't read the second half of the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only, uh, that he gave his only begotten son. And they'll read that part and they say, all right, it says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. They read that part, but they don't look at the last part of it that says, but have everlasting life, or shall have everlasting life. They don't want to read the other part of it that says, the other part of it you know, that says uh, that believe in him should not perish. They just kind of want to skip over that part and get their own interpretation. Romans 10, uh, 10, 9, and 10, 10, 9, and 10, and 13 say, if you shall, uh, shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart, that Jesus has raised, that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And again, Mark 1.15 says, Repent ye and believe the gospel. What is repentance and belief? What is it? The change of heart. The change of heart. And confession of sin in Jesus Christ to save you. He is the only one that can save you. He is the only one. He is the bread of life. He is that the bread that came down from heaven. And so this morning, if you have walked away from the Lord, you said, well, I prayed a prayer when I was a kid, but I really haven't believed anything else. I haven't uh, believed on him for a long time. I just did whatever I wanted to do or anything else. You need to be saved. There's a change in these heaven. When you believe on Jesus, there should be a change. There should be a repentance. There should be a change of mind that you don't want to do the things that you did. And some people say, well, I struggle with this. Well, here's the thing. If you've been struggling with something for 25 years of being saved, there's something wrong. You're saying I'm struggling, but the thing is, is what you're actually saying is, I don't care. I'm still going to do it because I think that Jesus is going to save me anyway. If a husband is adulterous and he says, I'm sorry, I cannot stop sleeping around for 25 years, how many of you know that that spouse is going to leave? His wife is going to leave. There should be the fact of you wanting to change in an effort that you actually want to stop doing that. You're not doing it because you know that God's word says not to do it. I'm not preaching a word-based of salvation. I'm saying that there should be a change that has happened. That you're not the same person that you were when you when you first came to Christ. I'll tell you right now, if I, if I was the same person that I was before Christ as I am now, you would say, how, would he, how is he able to be a pastor? Oftentimes, most people think that it's only pastors that have to change or live a godly life. Right? No. The Bible says, believers. When he gives the Great Commission, what does he do? He says, go ye therefore in all the world and preach the gospel. Did he say, only my disciples that are here with me right now? No, he doesn't say that. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. If you say, that's only for pastors. No.
they can see. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, if there's those in here that are not saved or walked away from you a long time ago, or those that are uh, you know that are fighting you know certain things and they say, you know, I began to trust in myself, God, I pray that they would repent, that they would be saved through faith by grace. That they would trust in the finished work of what you did upon the cross. God, I thank you that you are the manna that came from heaven, that you are the bread of life, that you are the living bread, and that if we partake in you, if we eat of you, if we believe upon you, we shall, we shall never, ever die. That we shall live forever in eternity with you, that we shall have everlasting life, that, that when, we have, when we speak of eternity, it's never ending. It's not a thousand years, two thousand years, five thousand years, it's never ending. And so Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that as they sit in their car, or those at home that are watching this, Lord, I pray, God, that they would believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would be saved. That they trust in what you have done for us, paying our ransom. God, I thank you for every single person that is here today. God, I pray a special blessing for the mothers and the ladies that are here uh, uh, that are here today and on, online as well. God, I pray that you would bless them, that you would keep them both. And Lord, I pray that they uh, that as we celebrate them, Lord, that we celebrate you as well, for you have given us great godly mothers, great godly uh, women of a great example. And so, Lord, I pray your blessing upon them. God, I pray your blessing upon your people as you have brought them here safely. I ask that you would take them home safely. God, I give you all the honor and the glory and the praise for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You are, I would say dismissed, but you can. And ladies, uh, or if you have uh, ladies in your car, we do have something for you as well. We want you, uh, we want you to come on over here. And uh, we, we have a special, uh, a special gift for you. So as you uh, get ready to uh, please don't just drive off, but come this way so that way we can give you that special gift. God bless you. We'll see you next week. You're dismissed.